Welcome to the Wilfred Podcast. Here, you'll expand your knowledge and understanding on a wide range of business, entrepreneurial, and self-development skills in just 30 minutes or less. I'm your host, Grant Kitchingman. Welcome to the Wilfred Podcast. Popping off with the 10th and final episode of Wilfred Season 1. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. I'm grateful you're here. Like I said, this is the last episode of the season, after which I'll take a four week break, then I shall return with the Season 2 premiere. I hope you're keen for a little facelift and some more content. I know I am. Our list of international listeners includes Australia, Azerbaijan, Belgium, USA, Indonesia, UK. Switzerland, Jamaica, Singapore, Spain, Zimbabwe, India, Gambia, Morocco, and the Netherlands. And now, introducing this week's author. Dale Carnegie was born in Missouri in 1888, becoming a salesperson and aspiring actor after being educated at Warrensburg State Teachers College. He later picked up shop to New York and began teaching communications classes to adults at the YMCA. In 1930, Carnegie began searching for and enrolling individuals interested in professional development to license the course throughout the country. In 1936, Dale published his renowned book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Many of Carnegie's teachings are still applicable today, and his four-part book contains advice on how to create success in business and personal lives. In the many years since, his popular book has sold over 15 million copies and positively impacted countless lives. As indicated in the skit from last week's episode, Dale gave away 90% of his wealth to various causes. The impact of his being has far outreached that of a man with pockets full within the grave. As mentioned in the foreword of his book, Carnegie was a proponent of kinesthetic learning, sharing a quote from Bernard Shaw, If you teach a man anything, he will never learn. Dale writes further, Shaw was right, we learn by doing. I believe that this focus on autonomous learning played a small yet important role in his success in teaching. I realize that people learn in different ways, but think back to your favorite teachers in school or university if you attended. I wager they made the content come alive. This was equally important to Dale. Many people aren't aware that Carnegie was petrified of failure prior to starting his educational venture and gaining prowess at public speaking. He quickly overcame this fear due to his position but remained in disdain for people who are overcritical. Dale writes, It is frequently easier to find fault than to find praise. It is more natural to talk about what you want than to talk about what the other person wants. As always, I have divided the content from this book into three equal sections, as the fourth part of this book is far easier to summarize and will be used to close out the podcast. The three sections of the discussion will include Part 1 Fundamental Techniques in Handling People Part 2 Six Ways to Make People Like You and Part 3 How to Win People to Your Way of Thinking For each section, Dale provides succinct principles, which will be explored throughout. I must also note that the intellectual property remains that of the author, and I do not claim ownership of any of their writings or ideas. Alright, no need to ramble on any further. Let's jump into the content.
Part 1. Fundamental Techniques in Handling People Principle 1. Don't criticise, condemn or complain. Principle 2. Give honest and sincere appreciation. Principle 3. Arouse in the other person an eager want. Dale states, appreciation is a legal tender that all souls enjoy. So why then are superiors, I'd hate to call them leaders, so quick, almost yearn, to note faults, imperfections or errors? Hiding them behind the thinly veiled constructive feedback term isn't fooling anyone either, especially when there are these barbs attached. Additionally, why, more impactfully, do we abstain from providing praise or appreciation, even if we feel it in our bones, that it is deserved? Well, I've got three words for you. Tall poppy syndrome. In any case, let's look at criticism first. Dale states, There is nothing else that so kills the ambitions of a person as criticisms from superiors. Sharp criticisms and rebukes almost invariably end in futility. We know criticism is negative, crushing, and non-constructive. So why do so many people in power use them so frequently? Well, I have a theory. I believe that people focus on the errors of others to keep the spotlight of criticism off themselves, or to mask their own shortcomings. Carnegie writes, Criticisms are like homing pigeons. They always return home. It takes a much stronger person to cop a lashing from their superior, then turn around and provide words of reassurance to their subordinates, even more so to take the blame and promise to be better. But how frequently does this actually occur? I won't speak for you, but in my experience, twice. So, Jack and Cal, if you're listening, you are true leaders. One of two I have ever met. Dale states, any fool can criticize, condemn, and complain. And most fools do. It takes character and self-control to be understanding and forgiving, instead of condemning people. Let's try to understand them. Character, true character, is what this generation is missing in leadership. It's also worth noting that empty praise is equally, well, empty. Genuine praise is positive and beneficial in every sense of the word, as it nurtures self-worth and professional efficacy. Empty praise is flattery, and you're simply telling the other person what they want to hear. As Dale states, flattery is telling the other person precisely what he thinks of himself. We nourish the bodies of our children and friends and employees, but how seldom do we nourish their self-esteem? As I said, flattery and genuine praise are not the same thing. Praise must be based on performance, task completion, adhering to the business's ethos, something of substance for either the company or the professional development of the individual, not to dap up your lemming. Genuine praise is not given freely enough, sometimes at all in certain workplaces, whereby employees feel unappreciated and unmotivated as a result. As Dale writes, some people are so hungry, so thirsty for appreciation that they will swallow anything, just as a starving man will eat grass and fishworms. Don't make your subordinates eat grass and fishworms to satiate themselves. Instead, provide genuine praise when it is earned through hard work, dedication, and alliance with the company's ethos. Do this and you will be supporting your own ventures, as well as the self-efficacy and self-esteem of your trusted employees. At the end of the day, as Dale states, if you want to gather honey, don't kick over the beehive. I'll round out this part by sharing a quote from Henry Ford. If there is any one secret of success, it lies in the ability to get the other person's point of view 
and to see things from that person's angle as well as from your own. Dale writes further, an increased tendency to think always in terms of other people's point of view and see things from their angle may easily prove to be one of the building blocks of your career. Part 2. Six ways to make people like you. Time to force some people to be friends with you. Goal. I don't know if that's how it reads to you, but it certainly did to me the first time. However, the content within this chapter is wildly helpful for anyone, but especially those who hold jobs which require a good number of interpersonal skills. Here are its principles. Principle 1. Become genuinely interested in other people. Principle 2. Smile. Principle 3. Remember that a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. Principle 4. Be a good listener. Encourage others to talk about themselves. Principle 5. Talk in terms of the other person's interests. And Principle 6. Make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. You can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you can in two years by trying to get other people interested in you. One can win the attention and time and cooperation of even the most sought-after people by becoming genuinely interested in them. Case in point, Joe Rogan, who has built a multi-million dollar empire in having long-form, unedited conversations with a range of different celebrities, experts, and genuinely interesting people. His sincere interest in their opinions, experiences, or fields of expertise is palpable, which I believe is the driving force behind this success. Joe is humble in this achievement, as evident in his interview with Dr. Jordan Peterson in episode 1139 of the Joe Rogan Experience. In this episode, Peterson provided glowing praise, telling Rogan, you're really good at pursuing things you don't understand, instead of assuming that you know what you're talking about. So you take the listeners on a journey. It's an exploratory journey. It's also worth noting that Joe holds a position of power. His platform has the greatest reach in podcasting. He is well-liked, he is well-respected, and gives respect until such a time it is negated. It is simply no accident that he became successful, as Dr. Peterson also states in this interview. Rogan also illustrates another of Dale's points. Exclusive attention to the person who is speaking to you is very important. Nothing else is so flattering as that. As I've said, Joe listens intently, does not interrupt unless the guest tries to speak over him, and does not mislead or misguide his audience to accept his political or religious ideas, as his podcast is largely unedited, long-form discussion. So, what should you do in a mixer when mingling with a group of new people? Easy peasy, lemon squeezy, my friend. Just smile and ask. Don't worry, I'll explain. It would be weird if I didn't, right? First, a quote from Dale. People who smile tend to manage, teach, and sell more effectively. People who talk only of themselves think only of themselves. Always make the other person feel important. The solution is simple. Smile and ask. When at a social event, when engaging with another person, when walking around your workplace and locking eyes with a co-worker, this reaction should be automated. Shoot them a smile. And if they're close enough to you to make conversation, greet them by name and ask them a question about themselves. It really is that easy. Just remember this quote from Disraeli. Talk to people about themselves and they will listen for hours. It goes without saying that these encounters cannot be forced. 
and you cannot feign interest as well as you probably think. So be sincere and train yourself to actually care about your co-workers or others in general. Part 3. How to win people to your way of thinking. Principle 1. The only way to get the best of an argument is to avoid it. Principle 2. Show respect for the other person's opinions. Never say you're wrong. Principle 3. If you are wrong, admit it quickly and emphatically. Principle 4. Begin in a friendly way. Principle 5. Get the other person saying yes, yes, immediately. Principle 6. Let the other person do a great deal of the talking. Principle 7. Let the other person feel that the idea is his or hers. Principle 8. Try honestly to see things from the other person's point of view. Principle 9. Be sympathetic with the other person's ideas and desires. Principle 10. Appeal to the nobler motives. Principle 11. Dramatize your ideas. And Principle 12. Throw down a challenge. First, let's talk arguments. For this part, I don't want you to imagine a respectful yet passionate exchange of ideas in which both parties actively listen, then formulate their ideas in order to either rebuttal what the other person has said, or even more powerfully, change their viewpoint based on the other's strength of argument. Oh no no no, that's far too constructive. Instead, I want you to imagine two people, either simply blocking out the other person's viewpoints and waiting to speak, or rather yelling over the top of the other person as they are trying to express themselves. This situation may seem pedantic and esoteric, but that is an argument. And when put like this, it's easy to see why it doesn't work. After all, as Dale says, you can't win an argument. There is only one way under higher heaven to get the best of an argument, and that's to avoid it. A man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. In other words, the other party may be rendered speechless due to being defeated of spirit, or feel underappreciated enough to drop the conversation. But that doesn't mean the other person has won. Chances are better that the other person is of the same opinion as when they started, and likely despises their adversary. Dale states, if you argue and rankle and contradict, you may achieve a victory sometimes, but it will be an empty victory because you will never get your opponent's goodwill. A misunderstanding is never ended by an argument, but by tact, diplomacy, conciliation, and a sympathetic desire to see the other person's viewpoint. It must be equally understood that a lack of disagreement is non-productive and unhealthy at times, as this does not lead to progress. Conflict is essential in all relationships, loving or platonic. Carnegie writes, when two partners always agree, one of them is not necessary. Perhaps this disagreement is your opportunity to be corrected before you make a serious mistake. I have also spoken of the theory of yes men or women in business in a prior episode. It may stroke the boss's ego if you constantly agree with them, but as I said, this is not constructive discourse. If that were the case, a board would be a moot idea. Additional leaders and leadership would be unnecessary and unjustifiable. Again, a lack of a board may stroke the boss's ego, but the business would not progress, and the subordinates would not grow or flourish. In a loving relationship, conflict, or healthy conflict, is essential to communicate with your partner your wants and needs, and to express your boundaries. 
Yes, disagreements can be humbling, especially if you perceive that the other party got the upper hand. But perhaps this also means that you are the bigger person for listening, absorbing information, and not turning the exchange of ideas into an argument, which is far less positive. At the end of the day, if you are the type of person to get fired up in a disagreement, just remember Dale's quote, distrust your first instinctive impression. Our first natural reaction in a disagreeable situation is to be defensive. Listen first. Give your opponents a chance to talk. Let them finish. Do not resist, defend, or debate. This only raises barriers. How many times have you found yourself in an argument? Stated your viewpoint, calmly or otherwise. Then, as the opposition begins to talk, rather than listening to their viewpoint, you zone out and run your retort on a loop in your head, perfecting it as you wait. Yep, guilty. Let's endeavour to not do that. When one yells, the other should listen. Because when two people yell, there is no communication, just noise and bad vibrations. If you catch yourself in this situation, if you can't contain your anger and listen to the other, perhaps walking away is the best option. Yet, with this option, you must swallow your pride and ego to do it. All the more reason to do so. Finally, the tough one. Let's talk about conceding. To some, this word is repellent, an acceptance of inferiority. But this is incorrect. Conceding shows respect, tolerance, growth, and a deep understanding. It shows that you are partial to expending your ideas when presented with new and enlightening information. It also shows maturity and an absence of ego, the latter of which is directly tied to the characteristics of those who focus incessantly on being right all the time. As Dale writes, there's magic, positive magic, in phrases such as, I may be wrong, I frequently am, let's examine the facts. There is a certain degree of satisfaction in having the courage to admit one's errors. It not only clears the air of guilt and defensiveness, but often helps solve the problem created by the error. By fighting, you never get enough, but by yielding, you get more than you expected. Bonus section. Be a leader. How to change people without giving offence or arousing resentment. This part of the book is quite self-explanatory through reading the principles throughout, so I decided to write this as more of a bonus section. Here are the principles. Principle 1. Begin with praise and honest appreciation. Principle 2. Call attention to people's mistakes indirectly. Principle 3. Talk about your own mistakes before criticizing the other person. Principle 4. Ask questions instead of giving direct orders. Principle 5. Let the other person save face. Principle 6. Praise the slightest improvement and praise every improvement. Principle 7. Give the other person a fine reputation to live up to. Principle 8. Use encouragement. Make the fault seem easy to correct. Principle 9. Make the other person happy about doing the thing you suggest. Dale describes a letter which was written by Abraham Lincoln, through which he was communicating with one of his constituents. Lincoln was not happy with the performance of this person. In fact, he was inundated with anger though he did not let that anger overwhelm and consume him. So this is what he wrote. There are some things in regard to which I am not quite satisfied with you. See that? Tactful, respectful, yet filled with frustration. I'm sure the recipient understood the tone of the letter, 
while his self-respect was left intact. Dale writes, Abilities wither under criticism. They blossom under encouragement. People are more likely to accept an order if they have been part of the decision to cause the order to be issued. Everybody likes to be praised, but when praise is specific, it comes across as sincere. So let's focus on being encouraging, providing praise where it is earned, and building our co-workers' self-esteem so they may flourish in the workplace. Well, that's it for this episode of Wilfred. What I've learned from reading How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie in Educational Discourse. I hope you enjoyed the episode and at the very least got something out of it. For those of you tuning in for the very first time, every week I read and highlight a new finance or self-improvement book. Write a script, record and release a new episode of Wilfred all within that week. I focus on releasing a condensed yet detailed breakdown of the book so you don't have to read it yourself. You can get a fair summary of the book for free in the time it takes you to get to work. I wanted this for myself, so that's my motivation and reasoning behind releasing this podcast for all of you. If you enjoy it and would like to give back, all I ask is that you rate the pod five stars on whatever provider you use and click the follow button at the top of Wilfred's page. This will ensure that you don't miss another episode of the podcast and helps me out at the back end. Just a reminder that I'll be taking a four-week break, mostly to revitalize and spend some quality time with family. After this time, I'll be back with season two, with some changes for the better. Again, thanks so much for your support in this endeavor. It is very much appreciated. Usually I'd say see you next week, but this time I'll say see ya in four. If you're stuck for content in the next month, I'd heavily recommend that you re-listen to the prior episodes of the pod to ensure that the information in each is absorbed. Just like in movies, it's highly likely that you miss something the first time around. Wherever you choose to consume this content, on Spotify or elsewhere, thanks so much for the support. I hope this is extended to my next season. Until then, stay driven. Everybody, I got bad news. We've been cancelled. Oh, no. Peter, how could they do that? Well, unfortunately, Lois, there's just no more room on the schedule.